It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme tonight I have two really interesting guests for you. First up, we're going to talk to Henry Horkin, Board B, a director for North America, about two campaigns in the US, one that aims to promote Irish lamb and the other that is an educational programme called Spirit of Ireland, which focuses on Irish spirits. And then closer to home, we're going to head to Limerick City to talk to Jean Conlon from So Delicious about how she has coped with the pandemic and the positives that have arisen for her business as a result of it. But before we hear from our guests this evening, may I take this opportunity to remind you about how you can make contact with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can drop me an email, Sharon at SharonNoonan.com, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So many of you will be familiar with Board Bia, who is charged with bringing Ireland's outstanding food, drink and horticulture to the world thus enabling growth and sustainability of producers. Earlier today, I spoke to Henry Horkin, Board Bia Director for North America, about two current campaigns in the US. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Henry, thank you so much for taking the Zoom today. You are based over in New York. You are the director for Board Bia for North America. It sounds like a very exciting job being based in New York and promoting all the lovely food and drink that we export. Thanks very much, Sharon. It's great to be with you. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting job and there's never been a more exciting time to be promoting Irish food and drink right across the world, but especially, I think, uh, where I am uh, speaking to you from today here in, in the US. Um, I mean, the US is our second largest market for food and drink exports. It's valued at almost 1.3 billion euros and it grew last year by 20%. Um, you know, so we've got, an, we've got a great story to talk about when it comes to our food and drink, and I'm delighted to be able to tell that story. I think it's really interesting that it's the second market after the UK because obviously those are very impressive figures that you've quoted there. So to think that there's even more money being brought into Ireland as a result of export to the UK is really quite astounding. Well, absolutely. And I suppose the food industry has been relatively resilient over the last number of years, notwithstanding what happened during COVID, uh, Brexit. Um, but it really does show um, incredible resilience and it's been able to pivot, I suppose, in, in ways that we may never have thought would have been, would have been possible before. Um, but in terms of where we are with the U.S. market, you know, we were delighted over the course of the last week to have a trade mission to the U.S. where we, uh, we it was a barnstorming uh, pace of activity. We visited five uh, different cities over a week, um, and that was all about engaging with our customers. It's all about telling them the story about the Irish food and drink sector, and we had a number of significant initiatives over the course of that week as well. Um, including launching Irish Clam first time in the US and also bringing the story of the Irish drinks industry, uh, which has, you know, really been a, a story of renewal and renaissance um, into our most important customers. 
Well, let's start with the lamb because it might surprise some people to, to know that Irish lamb or EU lamb was banned from import into, into America until fairly recently. So now that that ban has lifted, you're seizing that opportunity. And because you have a network of fantastic contacts, you're very familiar and aware with the quality of the other food products that come out of Ireland, such as the beef and the dairy. You're using that to get your foot in the door to start introducing them to Irish lamb. Yeah, that's right, Sharon. So, well, we uh, uh, lamb from Europe was was banned effectively uh, from the US uh, for the last several years, a uh, long number of years, um, and that was because of of BSE. It was a hangover from from that period. Um, we've just received access for for lamb, and Ireland has been one of the first countries that has has been able to seize that, and uh, we're looking forward really to commercialising that opportunity now. Um, you know, it's something that we knew that was going to happen for quite some time. So we've been working very closely with our industry, with our lamb and sheep meat processors um, to understand the market, help them uh, know the market better. Uh, we've had, as you say, we've had good progress already made on beef. Uh, we've got very good contacts within the retail and the food service industry, the restaurant industry in the US. So what we're doing now is bringing that news and bringing that story to them. Um, and helping our industry then in lockstep with ourselves to approach them and to market the product and to increase overall awareness right throughout the supply chain, right throughout the trade, and then right into customers uh, and hopefully get it into their their baskets and onto their plates in the in the not too distant future. In terms of consumer tastes in America, my experience has been that they're not as into lamb as they might be into chicken and and beef now that might be true of lots of different countries but it, it the way that lamb would probably feature on the menu quite often here in Ireland and, and even at home in uh, on the dinner table at home but in the US they don't tend to to go for it as, as much as they do the other proteins yeah, that's you're absolutely right, Sharon. Um, it's it's a it's a less familiar protein, I suppose, um, and it's a niche product in many respects. It's not something that people would very commonly eat. Um, it's like ourselves; it's seasonal. Um, a lot of people eat it around and enjoy it around this time of the year. Um, but what we're trying to do, I suppose, is to educate those customers on what the difference with Irish lamb would be. Um, and I think what we generally would feel is that the Irish proposition in terms of lamb, the, the, the great story that we have from our farming families that produce the lamb uh, right across the country, the grass-fed uh, story, the sustainability story that we have to tell, that offers something really different. That offers a real you know, story that can be spoken about quite confidently and authoritatively um, by both our processors, by ourselves, and by our customers. Um, our uh, US lamb would be a little bit different to what we produce. It's generally a heavier, uh, their, their lambs are generally heavier, um, they're generally fattier, uh, where ours are slightly lighter. Um, so it's, it's a different taste profile in certain respects as well. And I know from speaking to our customers, uh, you know, some of whom have visited Ireland already to, to see Irish sheep meat, um, they're really excited about getting that, that product into the market. It'll always be a small, it'll be a small 
opportunity. It won't be it won't be a huge opportunity. It'll be niche, but it'll be very important for our processors to be able to um, capitalize on. But of course, when you think about niche being niche in Ireland, we're such a small country. Whereas being niche in the states, it's such a huge, vast country that that niche can be absolutely humongous. It can be a huge and rewarding opportunity. There's no doubt about that. And we've seen that in several of our other product categories as well. And, uh, you know, when, when, yeah, when you talk about a niche product in the US, it has to be put in context with other markets. Niche opportunity in the US can, can be really important. Well, let's talk about the other campaign that you're working on at the moment, the Spirit of Ireland Drinks campaign. And of course, the US has always been a great supporter of the Irish whiskey and the cream liqueur. And we've seen that spirits market really grow and develop over the past few years. And there's more gins there, for example, and other types of drinks. The, the poachines that, that are allowed now are in there as well. So that market, and I suppose with the connections that the US has to Ireland, you know, everybody wants to have a little bit of Irish in them over there. And if they can't have it in their blood, then they can enjoy it in a glass. So tell us about that campaign and what's involved in it. Absolutely. Um, so Spirit of Ireland is is, is really exciting. Um, so Spirit of Ireland, we launched it uh, just a couple of uh, weeks ago uh, in one of the states that is the most important for Irish, Irish alcohol in New Hampshire. We were delighted to officially and formally launch it on our trade mission uh, just last week in Ohio. And really what Spirit of Ireland does, as you said, there's a renaissance in the Irish distilling industry. There's a great story to tell the numbers of new distilleries that have opened and, and are now producing fantastic quality uh, uh, Irish whiskey is, is just phenomenal. And that story has been seized upon by so many of our customers in the market. And what Spirit of Ireland really seeks to do is to educate frontline and 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 the store staff that are actually selling our product in those liquor stores and those supermarkets that sell alcohol right across the U.S. It gives them the 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 information, the the intelligence to be able to speak very authoritatively and confidently about Irish whiskey, um, so that when a customer comes in and when they maybe aren't familiar with Irish whiskey or they may have a have a have a certain preconception about what Irish whiskey is, they're not familiar maybe with the planoply of brands and 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 distinctive and unique flavors that Irish whiskey has. That that frontline store person, that's that that person that's actually selling uh, the whiskey in store, can can really speak to them about what Irish whiskey is all about, and encourage them to take a bottle, try it, see what they think of the taste of it, come back, try something different again from Ireland. You know, it really is a it, it's giving a great opportunity to the drinks industry to tell their story and through us to tell their story to the, uh, to the store staff and stores. And unfortunately, not all of them can make the trip over to Ireland to actually experience those distilleries in person. But you're using technology then to to make that experience possible for them remotely. We are. Uh, so it's really experiential. It's very immersive. Um, and uh, you know, we're bringing what we're doing is we're bringing those people that we can't. We'd love to bring everybody to Ireland, uh, but unfortunately we can't. Uh, but we'll bring as many as we can to Ireland. But those that can't travel or we can't bring bring to Ireland, 
what we're doing is we're bringing the experience of the Irish Irish distillery to them. Uh, so we've got scratch and sniff cards, um, and you're probably familiar with this, Sharon, from a from a magazine where you get your perfume sampler and you run your knuckle over it, and then you get the sensory smell of of the fragrance. And we're doing exactly the same for uh, the distilleries. So you can smell the barrel house when you when you rub your knuckle over the 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 the, the, the foil. You can smell the the barrel fields you get really get that sensory experience and then we've done you know in a 360 um a visual way uh, people can actually visit the distilleries themselves and take a virtual tour of the distilleries and hear from you know those founders those brand builders those master distillers what's really unique about their own particular brand and we're delighted to have started with 20 of them and we'll be rolling that right across all of those distilleries that are newly opening and and ready for export uh, over the coming months and years. And I think it's to your credit that the list of distilleries that are involved, you've some of the well-established, well-known ones there, but there's also then the smaller, new, more boutique, up-and-coming distilleries. Oh, absolutely. And I suppose that's really what the... The, the story is all about it's it's re-energizing it's it's um it's exciting people about irish spirits again and the irish drink sector um we've got so many different distilleries that are all doing amazing things uh you know from the smallest to the biggest they're all doing really important things and they're very collaborative as well in terms of how they do that and we're just delighted to be able to tell their story um and when we bring it to a state um like ohio and when we roll it right across the the US over the course of this year and into next year, you know, we're really going to see the commercial opportunity for our distilleries to be able to get their brands on shelf, to gain preference, and just to realize that commercial opportunity. The US is our biggest market for the drinks industry. It's valued at 675 million euros. Um, you know, and that's just grown fantastically over the last number of years, notwithstanding COVID and everything that that brought to our, our table uh, over the course of last year, it grew by 17%. So it's an amazing story of growth and it's and it's been grown big because of the exciting story that we have to tell. And we mentioned there earlier about how big the US is as North America, in fact, is as a country and a region. And you've mentioned Ohio. So how do you decide where to focus and what regions are going to be the ones that are going to give you the best return on your, your marketing spend, for example? Sure. Yeah, that's a very good question because it's something that we do put a lot of thinking into. Um, and the US is is a is a it, it's a different market than any other market really in terms of how it sells alcohol, and that's a an overhang from prohibition. Um, so when prohibition ended in the late in the late twentieth uh, century, uh, certain states were allowed to retain control of how they sell, how they purchase, and how they market their their distilled spirits, their whiskies, the higher proof. Uh, 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 spirits. Um, so we work very closely with those states that still retain control of that because we find those states quite easy to work with. Um, they they they're concentrated in terms of how they sell their product. Um, so we work very closely with the control states, um, of which Ohio is one, New Hampshire that I, that I mentioned earlier is another. And then in terms of those states, either the ones that over-index in how they sell Irish whiskey, we prioritize them, or those that sell, are, that those that sell alcohol 
um, such as let's say bourbon or scotch, but Ireland isn't making the the advances that we feel it should be, then we also put a little bit of uh, work towards those ones as well in terms of how we market and, and support our industry with them. It sounds like an awful lot of work. Is it just you there over in the US or do you have like a team of 100 people backing you up and supporting you every day? I- I don't have a I don't have a hundred churn, but I do have a really powerful team of three, um, and they support and and work. Uh, we work as a team really closely in terms of what we do. Yes, it's a big market. North America is 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 massive um, in terms of its 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 size and scale. Um, and and you mentioned that I suppose the golden word for us earlier on. It's about prioritization. It's how we prioritize the market, and we work really closely with our industry in terms of how they prioritize the market. You know, no Irish food or drink company will come to the US saying, listen, I want to conquer it all. I want to I want to take it all over in a month. They'll start small. They'll start in a, in a region. They'll start with a certain geography of one or two states, build, build their presence, understand how to work in the market and grow from there. And we do the same. Uh, you know, we prioritize our customer accounts. We prioritize geographies within the United States, within Mexico, within Canada. And then we help and support our client companies to do the same. And I think it's important to say then, Henry, that these are just two of many campaigns that you would be working on over the course of, of the year. Absolutely, yeah. We we were right right throughout the year on various different categories, whether that's on what we call PCF, which is prepared consumer foods, and that encompasses everything that's branded that you'd be familiar with, whether that's seafood or whether that's you know as as we would call in the US central store product, those those stable products, those shelf stable products um, that that we're familiar with across confectionery and so on. Um, you know, we work with the industry all the way through on various in various ways to seek and to help to um, support their their activity in the market and how they active uh, how they um, how they develop their activations as well and I must ask you then before we finish because you know, there now is a president with Irish connections has that made life easier for you has it made it more exciting for you what differences have you seen over the, the course of the past couple of years since Joe Biden came into office? Yeah, I suppose it's one of these things. It's always difficult to say, Sharon, and I, I probably need to watch my P's and Q's um, in terms of in terms of what I say here. Um, but if I, I'm a, I'm actually a Mayo man myself, so I was delighted to see Joe Biden in the White House. I have to say, um, and you know, who knows? We might get Irish lamb onto his plate at some point soon. Uh, wouldn't that be a fantastic thing? Um, listen, it's fantastic to have. I think in any way an open uh, support of government. We we had um you know we had a, a a period i suppose previously of tariffs that were introduced you know slightly a more defensive um relationship i suppose between the european union and with the united states prior to joe biden becoming president but we're just so happy i suppose now that um you know that we've got a situation where we can um have a very good relationship very good open and free trading relationship and that's it that's a two-way piece as well in terms of ireland's relationship with the us we've given a huge amount to the us and we're delighted to be able to um to supply them with high quality and um, sustainable food and drink 
Well, I'd say he definitely would be very supportive of seeing Ackle Mountain lamb on on the menu there, or other lamb from from Mayo. And I hope you've you've put yourself forward there, Henry, and made sure he knows that you're a Mayo man. You've had a chance to actually the, meet the letter. Him. The letters have been submitted, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> well, come here. Thanks so much for for telling me all about it today. Best of luck with the campaigns, and we look forward to seeing more lamb and more Irish whiskies and whatnot on the menus whenever we go to visit America. Thanks very much, Aaron. Delighted. You're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Henry Horkin, Board BIA Director for North America, told us about two campaigns in the US, one that aims to promote Irish lamb and the other that is an educational programme called Spirit of Ireland, which focuses on Irish spirits. But if you're just tuning in now and you've missed that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now, in November 2020, Jean Conlon joined us here on The Best Possible Taste to tell us about her passion for soda bread and how it led to the opening of Sodalicious, a cafe in Limerick City Centre that celebrates soda bread on the menu. Well, despite the pandemic, Jean's business has gone from strength to strength and resulted in a listing with super value thanks to her participation on the Food Academy programme. I caught up with Jean this morning to find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Jean, you're very welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. The last time we talked was in November 2020. So much has happened since then. Sure, we don't know what day of the week it is, what month it is, what year it is. But whenever we spoke in November, you were telling us all about So Delicious, your wonderful cafe and the awards that you had won for your soda bread. So just remind the listeners about what your business is and what your passion is. Sure. Hi, Sharon. And uh, thanks for having me on again. Um, so what So Delicious is about is it's a, we are a soda bread bakery. We bake all of our own breads every morning freshly. But um, I suppose typically people would associate soda bread with being brown bread. Um, we have developed a formula and flavour our breads with a lot of fresh herbs and uh, cheeses, various nuts, tomatoes, etc., creating a very unique taste. So we have based like the our cafe menu is based on this bread, meaning that when you come into the cafe and you order a sandwich, you get to choose your flavour bread and the sandwich is built using that bread. So it's a bit of a novelty factor and um uh yeah customers go for it and the cafe thankfully um the, like the last two years has been a bumpy road but the cafe is back open and running well and um yeah so we're launching the breads now we're kind of trying to focus on the bread side of the business at this stage you're located in limerick um near the post office there so it is quite an office type environment that that you're working in what impact did that have on your business whenever the the offices basically closed and everybody was working from home um well again it's hard really to remember all the 
the lockdowns, the opening up again, the restrictions. But literally, when the offices closed initially and when we went into that first lockdown, you'd look out in the streets of the city centre and you literally, you wouldn't see a soul walking down the streets. And, you know, it continued like that for months. And then I can't remember, we had um, restrictions might have opened, they opened up again. Um, there were always one or two knocking about in the offices, but not, not, not too many. And it's really taken until after Christmas when restrictions did finally lift for any sort of numbers to come back into the offices. But even having said that, I wouldn't think that they're, they're, they're not fully populated. I'm not sure if they ever will be fully populated again. So currently, I would think they're maybe, uh, maybe between 70 and 80% occupied, meaning that like we are very much office dependent our end of town. We are surrounded We're right beside the post office, who have been tremendous supporters all along. And banks, AIB, a couple of banks around us, um, and then all the all the financials, the offices. But what it meant was we had to work exceptionally hard uh, behind closed doors. And then when doors did open up, we did have to work that extra bit um, because we simply didn't have the footfall that you would have at the cross section of O'Connell Street, uh, Sarsfield Street, William Street down there. So um, what it what it has meant is, um, Sharon, that we just we've had to work harder, I think. And in working harder, I think we have developed our business model. And at this stage, I think the business is a better business than before COVID. So it sounds like you took a lot of learnings out of that that time that was quite challenging. And obviously, like many other businesses, you pivoted and you started to do a lot of takeaway, dine at home type food. Yeah, we did. We um, obviously we did takeaway like loads of other restaurants um, take home meals and then the cafe menu and all of that was a challenge. Just putting, you know, it's a hard business. The food business is a hard business to put online. But, um, you know, it was a huge challenge to put it all online and create a takeaway option that didn't look just good on a website, but actually tasted OK when you got home as well. And, and there is a bit of work involved in that. Um, but apart from that aside, yeah, I think so when we spoke last was November 2020 and I had just started the Food Academy program the previous September of 2020. Uh, the program ran for six months and it culminated in um, February of 2021 when we pitched to some of the buyers from Super Value and Musgraves. But um, the idea would be that you would go to trial then a couple of months after that pitch. But then again, because of COVID and uh, Brexit, actually, we couldn't go to trial in May of 2021. Um, I had a lot of staff difficulties. And then we had a lot of like we were ordering equipment to scale up the bakery, which all got stuck in the UK. And um, so finally, things started to happen late 2021, staff wise, equipment wise. And thankfully now we are finally going to try with Super Valley. We started, we started uh, supplying breads last week and this is the start of, the, I suppose, the next, the next chapter of So Delicious. Well, let's talk a bit about the impact that Brexit 
and COVID had on sourcing ingredients because I presume you're very particular about the ingredients that you use for your, your products. And there was that great flour shortage at the start of COVID when everybody seemed to take up making bread at home. I did yeah. not do that. <laughs> I just didn't. But, um, you know, that that sounds like that could have been like it was it might have been bad enough for Mrs. Murphy wanting to make her own bread at home. But for you, that must have been like a catastrophe. Um, I think it was more we were very worried about it, but it never happened. Our, you know, we, our flour supply has never been interrupted, thankfully. That is the one thing that has stayed and remained constant. And we have a fantastic supplier who have, um, there have never been any hitches in the supply chain. So we're very, very lucky in that regard. I think how Brexit really affected us was uh, there's certain, certain equipment that cannot be sourced in Ireland. And it was bespoke, like bespoke uh, loaf tins and various bits and pieces that were coming from the UK and very simple things that were, you know, I suppose to, we were getting tins made specifically for our ovens. And typically they might be from the day you sign off on a certain design and size. We were told it might be 10 days to two weeks delivery, but we received the tins eight months later. So that is that was a fairly major problem for us. Um, and there's nothing like everything else could have been in place at that stage. But without the tins, you couldn't bake the bread. So, um, you know, and there, there was various other small little things, bits and pieces that came from the UK as well. But um, supply of ingredients was never an issue. And I have to say our local suppliers have been fantastic as well. There was never any issues. And even in the darkest days of the worst lockdowns, they always came up with the goods. And we were able to get our hands on lovely, fresh, locally sourced ingredients, um, which was, you know, obviously, which was really, really important to keep our business open and many others in those days. Well, it sounds like you have gone through a rather stressful time, as many people have done over the past couple of years. So to be part of the Super Value Food Academy and now to be at that stage where you're baking the bread and it's on the shelves of the local Super Values, tell me how that feels. It's it's very rewarding, Sharon. It really is. It's actually, it's like coming full circle because when I started the business, like the, the idea came from this flavoured soda bread being so delicious. So I always had this idea, well, wouldn't it be amazing? I wish, I wish more people could taste this bread. I wish they could buy it because we thought, and it wasn't just me, like various people along the way and not just family and friends, it's tried and tested in the cafe now by hundreds of people every week. And the feedback is really, really great. So it was always my intention to actually have a bakery selling bread and not a cafe that sold bread out of the cafe, like it's, it's a little bit um, turned around, if you like. So it's nice to go back to the start and with the initial idea of baking bread that is available in supermarkets for, for people to buy on an everyday basis. Um, and Food Academy, it was a brilliant program, a brilliant learning process, very good mentoring. Um, so to finally, and actually then you can fall into these classes and webinars and you can kind of... There can be so much talk and preparation for something that you think it's actually never going to happen. 
So last week, the 25th of April was officially, 26th of April was the official launch of some of us, you know, who didn't launch last year. Last year, So that was very exciting, just the whole project come to fruition and finally see breads in your lovely new branding on supermarket shelves outside of the cafe. So it, it, it's, it's very rewarding. So in terms of the, the infrastructure and the logistics involved in doing this, you're talking there about branding. It's not just about having the product. There's the packaging, there's the labeling, there's the delivery. There's so much more to it than just making the bread, which you're, which you're well used to doing. Um, so how has that impacted you and the business? Um, well, again, this would all come down to, this comes back to getting the cafe stabilized in order to free, free me up and free my time up to concentrate on the bread. So thankfully, the cafe is running very well now. Um, and I'm looking at this, the whole bread project as this is my work now for the, you know, for the next foreseeable future. Um, the branding was a job in itself. We you know, went through a lot of different ideas, but we've settled on the, the the logo itself never changed, but we have a lovely new brand packaging along with recipe suggestions inside each sleeve of the bread. So I suppose it's a kind of, we're trying to market the bread. It's not your everyday slice pan and slice pan will always have a place in everyone's kitchen, including our own. We go through tons of slice pans every week. But what our bread is, it's kind of pitched, um, it, it's kind of a more of a meal in itself. It's, uh, it's very substantial, it's full of flavour, and it's beautiful paired with different foods. For example, like it's beautiful with a really good relish or chutney, great Irish cheeses, um, you know, salamis, uh, deli meats so many smoked, smoked salmon, so many food ideas. And it, it's almost a meal in itself. If you compare it properly, um, glass of wine at the weekend, a nice salad, you know, it's, it's kind of almost a different way of eating. So um, it's our job now to market it properly and to show people, show the public and people what you can do with this bread and how good it tastes. It's a stand, it can either taste brilliantly on its own just literally dipped in olive oil or buttered, literally butter your bread and have a cup of tea. Or you can doll it up a little bit, make it much more fancy and make more of a meal of it. It's really interesting there that you said, and now it's up to you to market it. Another skill set that has to be added to the toolbox. That's it. <laughs> we have to keep reinventing ourselves, don't we? So, uh, and again, you see, we're so, in the cafe, we'd be doing it every day. We'd be turning this bread into sandwiches. We'd be grilling it. We'd be serving it fresh. We'd be using it as like tapas and various. We turn it into breadcrumbs. There's so many uses for the bread. Um, so it's a matter of actually harnessing these ideas, you know, filming them, photographing them, short videos, whatever it takes. And we'll be posting on Instagram and um, TikTok videos, Facebook, uh, Twitter, whatever, you know, all the platforms out there. And we will be you know, we'll be doing tastings once we're settled down a little bit, once we've got into a more of a rhythm with delivery, we'll be doing um, in-store tastings as well. So people can actually see the bread, taste it for themselves, and then uh, go away and make wonderful creations with it. 
And I think we should let listeners know, anybody that hasn't been to the cafe before, about how spacious and roomy the cafe is. Because that was one of the big selling points for the mothers or the fathers with buggies, for example. The last time we spoke, that was something that you were telling me, that it was a a great location for people to meet up if they had small children and buggies because there's so much room in it. And obviously I have had an opportunity to visit since then and I can say that is definitely the case. It's, It's great to have all that room in a space because often some cafes can be quite um, compact, let's say, but yours is far from that. It, it is far from that, Sharon, and particularly the fathers who are a bit more self-conscious pushing the buggies. So um, I want to reassure them that they can come up the ramp of our cafe and they will be made very welcome and we'll give them lots of space. Um, it's No, it is. The space has been absolutely brilliant. And even people being so conscious of sitting close together we don't cram people in. People have lots of space, high ceilings, loads of ventilation. So um, there is a lot of space, which has been very beneficial over the last two years. And, you know, and obviously now that we can open the doors again and fill it up, which is a great feeling. And you have an open kitchen so people, yeah. diners can see into the kitchen. And I think that's... that's- that's always and a great sure, a lovely open kitchen. People, it's very transparent. You can watch everybody at work, which is always, again, it's 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 like transparency is great in in life and in uh, the day to day, um, just living. But I think especially when you're going into a, a food premises, it's very reassuring to be able to watch what the chefs are doing, what the kitchen workers are doing. It keeps everybody on their toes and um not that we'd be doing anything any any differently but I think it, it creates a bit of theatre for the public to be able to watch what people are doing and how we create the food and um, we also um, we also made some changes during lockdown we had to re uh, reshape the kitchen and more or less separate what we would call the salad bar the kind of um, cafe salad bar to the baking section which allows us now we can continue to bake throughout the day, all day long, all night long, if we chose, and it won't interfere with the running of the uh, salad bar for the cafe. So um, again, it is interesting because we could have a baker in there creating wonderful things all day, and people can come in and watch, you know, eat their sandwich, have a cup of coffee, and just watch what's going on. In terms then of your vision for the business, Jean, um, the cafe, the bakery side, doing these collaborations with the likes of Supervalue, where do you want to see it all go and what direction do you want it to go in? Well, what I want to, what I would love is for the So Delicious brand to become recognised as a really, really quality soda bread. And within that I would love people to understand that the like the versatility of soda bread is is endless like the what you can do with soda bread is absolutely it's almost endless and we have this beautiful beautiful Irish indigenous product food product that it has been a staple an Irish staple going back generations and um like our our tagline is celebrating soda bread and that's what it really is it is celebrating this amazing Irish product and look how wonderful it can be. Look what you can do with it when you treat it with respect and with care and with a little bit of imagination. Um, 
we one of our breads, the Cheddar and Chai bread, reached the finals again of Lost in the Heron in 2021. And then our Rosemary and Olive Oil bread won gold in the Irish Food, Irish Quality Food Awards, also in 2021. So we're beginning to get a little bit of independent recognition for the breads, and I would like that to continue. And for people who are listening now that want to get their hands on the bread, apart from going to So Delicious in on Henry Street there in Limerick, where else can they get it? What Super Values is it in? So currently, at the moment, we are in, um, and we are freshly restocking Super Values today, um, Castle Troy, Castle Connell. We will be going into uh, Grove Island. We're not currently there yet, so hopefully over the next, over the coming week. Um, we are also in Centra in Adair. We are in Centra in Clarina and working on a couple of others. So Instagram is the best way to um, keep up to date with you know, current deliveries and the shops that we are going into. And um, really, it's the best way like for people to know where can they pick up their, their loaf so delicious is check out our Instagram page. Fantastic. Well, listen, it's been lovely to talk to you again, Jean. Continued success. It's always great to, to revisit guests from the show who are doing so well, like yourself. And um, thanks for getting in touch. Thank you very much, Sharon. Appreciate it. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're very welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Jane Conlon, founder of the So Delicious brand which includes a cafe in the centre of Limerick City and a range of soda breads that now can be found in Super Value. So congratulations to Jane and continued success. Earlier on in the programme, Henry Horkin, Board Bia Director for North America, told us about two campaigns in the US, one that aims to promote Irish lamb and the other that is an educational programme called Spirit of Ireland, which focuses on Irish spirits. If you're just tuning in now and you missed any of that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes, the podcast app and all the other places that podcasts are available from. And that brings us to the end of the programme tonight. But a quick shout out to the Burren Slow Food Festival that has finalised its programme of events. It starts on Friday the 20th of May and runs until Sunday the 22nd of May. And this year the focus is on raising awareness about the concept of geofood. And geofood is sustainable local food from a unique geological area and is the official brand of food produced in a UNESCO global geopark. So check out slowfoodclare.com for all the details. And a huge thank you to you all for listening tonight and to my guests, Henry Horkin and Jane Conlon. Until next time, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!